They're like, I couldn't do what you do. If this happened to me, I couldn't. I said, you yes. don't know until you've been tested. You really yes. don't know. Because if you would have told me, hey, guess what? You're going to get blown up. Your head's going to be burnt <laughs> to the skull. <laughs> you're going to lose your left hand. You're going to have all these issues. You can't walk. You've got to stay out of the sun. And all this stuff's going to happen to you. you. But you know what? You're going to survive it all. And you're going to make jokes about it. You're going to travel the <laughs> world telling jokes about how this happened to you. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> sure, I'm going to do that. Whatever. This is episode number 166 with Bobby Henline. You're listening to American Snippets, the all-American podcast for those looking to dream bigger, live better, and make an impact. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of America's Snippets. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Today's guest is an Army veteran who is the sole survivor of an IED explosion. The catastrophic injuries he miraculously survived left him severely disfigured. He required years of hospitalizations and surgeries, but with all the focus of treating his physical wounds, the hidden wounds is what festered. He plunged into a deep depression that could easily be attributed to the scars he bears, the arm that he lost, and the altered appearance caused by all of those injuries. While he was struggling through all of those things, the most dangerous wounds he actually faced were the result of survivor's guilt and post-traumatic stress. It's been 13 years since that ex explosion, and our guest, Bobby Henline, is now fully immersed in a new life. He is a successful speaker, entrepreneur, and comedian. He is engaged to the woman that he loves. His relationships with his kids are thriving, and he has found a way to use all of his experiences to guide and support others faced with their own trauma. In this episode of American Snippets, Bobby Henline talks about his 30-year path from a 19-year-old divorced alcoholic veteran to his return to military service, his life as a survivor, mentor, comedian, and founder of a nonprofit. He shares his lessons on resilience, how his experience altered his faith, and how to find a positive outlet to, to channel trauma. He also shares his recent experiences of how he unwillingly uh, was drafted into a political battle and how that changed his own practice of, his, of expressing his political views. So without further ado, here is Barbara Allen with Bobby Henline. You're listening to the American Snippets Podcast. Hey there, welcome back to another episode of American Snippets. I'm your co-host, Barb Allen. Dave Brown just did an excellent job um, giving a, a background and introduction to today's guest, who I am very excited to have the opportunity to connect with and interview uh, after working on this for a couple months. Bobby Henline, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. Of course, appreciate. I appreciate you lowering your standards and having me on. Yeah, well, TK begged us, you know, <laughs> please. I mean, he can only get people like Huckabee to put him on. You got you to gotta raise the game for him. So, you know. Live, live it up to TK there for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Good we'll guy. do anything to help out a veteran, you know. Um, but look, we were just talking right before we started that you have been a busy man lately. But as I dug into you in the in the past. And then I went all the way back to your very first Instagram post, by the way. Um, oh, that's how far I went. Wait, that was a catching a fish in, in Canada. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I, I was wondering that. if you remember that. Yes. It was a pike, I think. Yes. Uh, yes, it was. <laughs> so, I mean, you've been busy this whole time, but it looks like 
you're just busy by nature. Like by the time you were 17, you were already packing in quite a few experiences in your world. Yes, yes. By the age of yes. 19, I was a divorced alcoholic war veteran. <laughs> yes. I mean, that's... Um, get it done, get it over with. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Let's just like jump right in and, and get into all that, right? So I'm a mom of four boys I raised um, and the oldest is 21 and the youngest is now 17. So anytime I talk to people and I hear these stories, it's natural, right, to apply it to your life. And I look at my kids and I'm like, whoa, right. <laughs> like, you know, I cannot imagine my 19 year old now uh, having all the life experiences under his belt that you had at 19 years old. What was that? I mean, growing up, were you just always like anxious to get out there and, and, and go for things? Were you always just like <laughs> jumping on? Yeah. In? I was definitely anxious to go on things. Um, I had two jobs in high school. Like I hated school. So work was easier for me. <laughs> I wanted to just work and get out there in the workforce and stuff. So yeah, definitely a go, 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 get out in life, get started type person. I was actually, my first job was a, a DJ at the roller skating rink. That's a fun <laughs> job. I did catch you on the Drinking Brothers podcast talking about that and all the <laughs> all the perks. So I would have been like one of those like, Loser girl skating by herself, probably dreaming about the DJ while you were like getting on my friends. Like, of course, I say friends as if I had friends. Of course, you know, you're dreaming about me with that DJ with the mullet. (laughs) (laughs) I would have skated right by you. You wouldn't even notice. Um, But yeah, that's actually a fun job to have. And I don't know if uh, if people today, the the kids today, you know, are they still going to roller rinks and all that? Like, do they know? If not, they're missing out. Yeah, I don't know. I don't see any. I actually drove by one in a small town last week. I don't know if it was open in the middle of the day. So I was curious. I want to go back through there and find out if it's actually still open. <laughs> yeah. Did you have move, moves on skates too? Did you get out there on the floor? I had the moves. And, and obviously I don't have any ears. So these, uh, yes, Frank, okay. Frank is, Frankenstein <laughs> bolts keep popping out of my head. <laughs> <laughs> I sent that email out like headphones, please. I'm like, oh shit. And I went back and I looked and I'm like, I have seen you with headphones on. Um, yeah. So anyway. <laughs> Um, yeah, but you had the moves. You got to get out there on breaks or whatever. And, oh, I love dancing, skating and backwards, you know, play some Def Leppard, pour some sugar on me and go Ha-ha, for it. <laughs> Dave, I can't wait to play that back. He hates that song and I love it. <laughs> Told you, Dave. Um, all right. So now how do you go from DJing at a roller rink to saying, uh, you know what? I think I'm going to join the military instead. But first I'm going to get married. <laughs> it, it happened military, military it was weird so yeah. i was not on the right path uh you know going to work i dropped out of school and my uncle talked me into joining the military actually he said hey let's you know let's go to military together he's only six years older than me he's like an older brother more okay and so he's like let's join the military together you know we need we're both doing the wrong things i'm looking at hell's angels as oh those are my father figures type things you know the Bikers, you know, Sam Elliott was always a hero of mine, watching him on TV and movies. And he always played that cool biker. So to me, that's what I want to be. And luckily, my uncle talked me into joining the Army at 17. I went to the ASVAB. My uncle took the ASVAB. He failed. Oh, no. <laughs> so then they took me by myself. But it was good for me. It's really good. It helped me out a lot. Did your uncle yeah. wind up getting in? No, he said, oh, they didn't want me the first time. I'm trying again. <laughs> Just let me go. He just pulled the bait and switch. He probably failed it on purpose. Exactly. (laughs) All right. So you're 17 now and you're like, all right, so Hell's Angels aren't going to be it. I'm going to join the military instead. (laughs) But first, I'm going to get married. 
Yes. Yeah, so at I was the same dating, time. Yeah. It's about the same time I was dating a girl. And so I went into the military and I always like, oh, might, might as well marry her. That's what you're supposed to do, right? <laughs> I love so that. So we, we got married the day before I graduated basic training. They actually oh. let you off post and go get married. I don't know why they let us do that. They know it's a mistake. <laughs> yeah. I think it's for the old drill sergeant's entertainment, I think. <laughs> they take bets right and i love like i know 17 year olds you you really you know thinking back you think you have it all dialed in you're like i right. got this shut up i'm not a baby anymore i'm you know 17 <laughs> i'm in the military i got this figured out like you know and you just you don't want to hear it um but obviously you were not immune to teenage uh teenage regret uh, right. in doing that but so now you're 17 but you're also not long after that, you deploy. Yeah, it's the month after turning 19, I deployed to Desert Storm. Wow, that's wild. Was that, what was your, what did you particular, are you in particular do over there? Were you so I was, in the uh, thick of things? When I first joined, they told me that I can either drive a broken truck or fix a broken truck. It's <laughs> <laughs> quite a choice. So I thought, is that a tow truck driver? That sounds a lot easier <laughs> than trying to fix one. So I became a truck driver in the military. And so there's a storm. I drove a fuel truck for fuel artillery tanks. So I just filled up the tanks while they did their, their battles over there. I was in the first cav and uh, we have, uh, we were actually supposed to die. We were the decoys. Oh my God. <laughs> they thought first cav was going to get wiped out because we were, supposed, we were the decoys and we hooked around the left side, went straight into Iraq instead of through Kuwait where, where their battle was. So they thought they would get us and then distract them to go up through Kuwait. But luckily, we all came back from that. <laughs> I mean, did you know that at the time? Did you know that no, or have no, a sense? No. <laughs> or did you have a sense like, I was hey, clueless. we're really sort of, yeah. Yeah, doing Aren't my job. Aren't you glad you're clueless? Yes, sir. Right. Yes. It's, life is easier the less you know. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It really is. Ignorance, you know, some cliches exist for a reason, right? And right. ignorance is definitely bliss. All right. So you come home now you're 19 years old and you decide to get out of the military. Is that when you got out? I got, no, I got out at 20 at 19. I came home, you know, okay. that's when I got divorced. Okay. And they started drinking every day. Cause you know, it's legal. Sure <laughs> <laughs> yes, of course it is. Uh, actually, when did they raise the drinking age? No, yeah, it was, it was bad. It Louisiana, was Louisiana was legal, but I was in Texas, but I thought oh. I was close enough to the border. That's close enough. Matter. Yeah. 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 Close enough. That counts. And you're close enough to 21. Um, so, all right. So what do you, what do you do then? What do you do next? So at 20 years old, I get out of the military, I go back to California where I was raised and, uh, live, I moved back into military housing. My stepdad was still in the Navy. So I moved back in with my parents and start looking for work and then ended up meeting somebody, got married at 22 <laughs> again. Okay. Uh, we had three children together. And I had a, a one child before that. In the mix there, I kind of skipped over where I had that one. Oops. Uh, <laughs> so sure four children together, all together yeah. for, if we're counting right. Um, yeah. He's 26. He knows he's an oops. <laughs> <laughs> Look, sometimes we make the best mistakes, right? <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. All right. So now, you, now you're married. You have four kids. Um, and then along the way, you get out of the military. What are you doing now? Well, that's what I did when I, I, I had all that once I was out of the military. Already. Right. So, but what do you do professionally? So I, other than uh, making babies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is there a profession of that? I don't know if that's legal. Uh, <laughs> but I ended up uh, driving trucks, working for the railroad, 
I worked at a radio station. I did everything you could think of. I did maintenance at a Jewish community center. I lived in California with no education. So, of course, I worked poor jobs just to make ends meet. It was crazy. Yeah. So then all of a sudden you say, you know what? I'm going to go back in. Well, I always thought about it. I always missed it. Okay. I always missed the military. I want to go back in. But the, my wife at the time did not want to be married to anybody in the military. She's heard about those lifestyles. You know, Ava was going to be a cop in California, but she, again, didn't want to be married to anybody in uniform. So I didn't do it. And so now I'm like thinking about going back in. I'm 30 years old. Boom, 9-11 happens. And I said, yep, I'm going back in. Yeah. So the very next month, October 31st, I was back in basic training. Yep. Um, and that is a, a common theme. Uh, 9-11 happening. No, it's interesting, right? There were, it seems like there were a couple different responses. It either riled people up where they were like, you're going to go get some, or uh, yeah. it made people like hunker down closer at home and just focus on on their families and keeping everyone right. safe, like, you know, keeping the home front steady, right? Um, so now your wife, and I'm familiar with that part of it because when I got married, my husband was not in the military. He had been in the military, got out. Um, oh, yeah, and then, same situation. And then yeah. at one point, as soon as I get pregnant with our first kid, he's like, I really want to go back in, but I resisted the full time. I'm like, I'm not going to be a military wife, right? I got no business in public in general, but let alone on a, on a base and small housing. So he uh, joined the National Guard, said that was safe, and whoops. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Turned out he was wrong about that. Um, So, but yeah, I do get that. And joking aside, it is a a very difficult and draining life for for anyone in particular. I mean, obviously, there's... um, a lot, a lot of good that goes into it, but in in yeah. terms of keeping a family together, it's very draining and hard yeah. in a family unit. Yes, yeah. so like your experience, like my wife at the time, where had no idea what the military is like. You're going in with a family already. Yeah, and it's so to deal with all that. And we, I went back in active duty, Fort Bragg, 82nd Airborne. So we were busy. We were really busy. <laughs> yeah. So she no had to kidding. adapt quick. Yep. I, I hear you. That's so funny. Fort Bragg just keeps coming. I spent, you know, three years for a murder trial there, but, um, I, and I get that. It's very hard when you don't have that community around and you're, you're home, you're taking care of kids and you're worried that your spouse is, you know, something terrible is going to happen. It's just, it's a lot to handle. So, you know, unfortunately a lot of marriages don't survive that. Right. Yeah. So you got deployed more than once. You were deployed <laughs> several times. Yeah. A total of four times. So once yeah. counting desert storm. And then three times during Operation Iraqi Freedom. Yeah, and it was in 2007 on your fourth deployment that, uh, that as you say, you you discovered that third time was your charm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> it took four tours yeah. and ID to figure out yeah. three was my lucky number. <laughs> yeah, I hate that hindsight, right? So, um, so you are the sole survivor of the IED explosion that. Yeah, I said it was, uh, I saw the report later on it. It was three to four uh, 155 artillery shells that were buried in the ground underneath the Humvee. Oh my gosh. That went up. Wow, it is like literally a miracle that you survived that. Oh, it is definitely a miracle. I mean, doctors kept saying medically they couldn't explain why I was alive. Yeah. It didn't make any sense to them. (laughs) Does that ever play in? And I saw a comment before, I can't remember if I saw it on your Instagram or, or an interview or article I read on you, but um, that prior to you being injured, you were an atheist? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was an atheist. I grew up Catholic, you know, not real strict Catholic, but uh, just as I got older, I didn't like the rules of religion where they say, you know, this person could 
hurt a child, rape somebody, kill somebody. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Now, please let me go to heaven. Like, I know I don't, I don't like yeah. those rules. So <laughs> I was like, forget it. I don't believe any of that. But okay. uh, when I woke up from my coma, I was in a coma for two weeks and I woke up and I remember being like on a giant iceberg is the best way to explain it. It's at night, a giant iceberg, all kinds of stars everywhere. And I heard voices coming out of the night saying that my family's waiting for me. I'm going to be okay. And so when I woke up, I knew like, okay, there was someone, uh, I felt I was in heaven and, and God was judging me and saying, look, you know, there's something else for you. You're not done yet. And it, it drove me crazy. I mean, uh, the survival's guilt thinking, no, you should have took me. Um, I felt like a burden in my family. So every night for the first year, I would pray to God just to take me. Yeah. I didn't feel I deserved to live. Yeah. Um, and that again is a very unfortunate, um, common theme, uh, for, for too many people, not, you know, obviously not just in the, in the military, but for a lot of people. So your right. story is going to resonate with so many people. I remember that after my husband was killed and I, I came up with, I called it, I was passively suicidal at some point. Like I used to just like do things that would like right. slightly, well, you know, <laughs> I may not survive, you know, like take, take chances. That that I, yeah. 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 Or <laughs> lay there and like pray to die. So I'm not like actively killing myself, but if it happens, Going skydiving. Right? No, I don't need a reserve. You know? Yeah. Work. Like, the first um, one doesn't work. Forget it. <laughs> and it's easy to joke about like when you look back, but it's a, it's actually right. a hellish place to be trapped in, um, yes. to do that. And you have to put on that, that brave face. And on top of that, you were dealing with enormous physical pain and injuries and the mental stress, I guess, yeah. that comes with accepting and yeah. acknowledging. I mean, you just had a lot, your life just changed. The impression of just losing your, in, your independence and your, you know, you're yeah. the person that takes care of other people. And, you know, now your children helping you tie your shoe or making sure you don't trip on something and, and helping with your bandages. And you just feel so useless. It's hard, really, really hard. Yeah. What would be your advice to somebody who may be experiencing something similar now, whether through the military or an accident or whatever it may be? When that yeah. As far as uh, survival's guilt goes, yeah. I try to talk about that as much as I can. I just recently made a video about it because, um, again, I, I, don't, I don't think it ever goes away. No, It's always kind of there. And, and I know that I got to live for that. I know that. But it still hits you sometimes. You're like, oh, you start getting depressed again. Just like everybody. We have our moments. So what I do is I remind myself, what if I was the one that didn't make it home? What would I want for the survivor? Of course, I'd want that survivor to live their life to the fullest, to chase their dreams, to have a blessed life, to live for us. You know, if I waste my life, if we waste our life, we're a survivor or something like that, then we're letting them die in vain. You know, here they would rather be alive and we're going to complain about a little bit of pain or Oh, I don't feel good today. I should be killed. I should be dead. No, you know, keep living your life. Now you're going to have those feelings. So it's okay to get that pity pot. Don't get me wrong. You can't stop those feelings from coming in, but you can address them correctly and let yourself have that time out, have that pity pot, feel bad, get it out of your system, but then remind yourself, I got to keep going for them. I love all of that. All of that. It takes a long time. I don't know. I shouldn't say that as if that's the same for everybody. For me, it took a very long time to hit that place where I got what you just said. How long did it take you to arrive at a place where, where you believe that, what you just said? 
That probably took, that was probably around the four year mark, I would say. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was three years to kind of get used to just who I am, what I look like and my disabilities to, to accept the new normal all the way. <laughs> Whether yeah. I acted like I already did a year or two years into it, really three years is when I really truly felt happy with who I am. And, and I look back at old pictures of me and go, who's that guy? <laughs> you know, yeah. this is me. And about four years, if I could really, four to five years to like really say that I got past that hump where I've learned that. But again, I, you know, just, it was just, uh, I, re I remade that video just recently about survivor's guilt because I was feeling it. I don't let it get me down as much as it do did before, but it definitely will hit me from time to time. You think about it. I have a very blessed life, amazing life of the things I get to do today. You know, I have three grandchildren wow. <laughs> and, and just that alone is the best blessings ever besides my life of traveling and entertaining and talking to people and just having all the joy that I have in my life. There's, there's so much. Yeah. And so I know that um, you don't remember really what happened the day of, of your injury or anything. Uh, were you ever told what happened afterwards? Like, did you ever have to sit down and people, did they, did yeah. they try to get the information out of you anyway? Or was <laughs> it like you were told, Hey, this yeah, at the hospital, they just said I was, hit by an IED and, and that I was the only survivor. I learned all that while I was in the hospital. But the actual details of the story, I didn't learn till it was like three years later, three to four years later, I was back in Iraq. Why? <laughs> <laughs> they do a Operation Proper Exit. Troops First Foundation does this. Okay. And they bring wounded veterans back out to Afghanistan and Iraq if they're ready to go back wow. and actually properly exit the country standing on their own, well, not necessarily their own two feet, right. but prosthetic <laughs> or whatever, <laughs> but they're standing up the right way and not letting, you know, an emergency go into a hospital. So you go back wow. and you, you visit the different bases and you talk to the, the soldiers that are out there today and you just share your story. And it's just an amazing trip. So wow, that I, I is amazing. That. Yeah. It's, it's, I did it three times. Well, well, three uh, is your number. Yeah. Right. It is. Good yeah. Thing you didn't go back more. a fourth time. Don't go back. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> yeah. It's just, it, it's really healing an amazing thing. Uh, my unit was out there. Some of the guys from my unit were out there again on another deployment. So they met up with me in one of the Saddam's palaces there in Baghdad and they brought photos. They brought the report. Like, this is what happened to you. Here's the photos. You'll see a lot of times I'll post. That's actually my home V. Uh -huh. that I'm posting because um, I got the photos afterwards and the yeah. details of what exactly happened. Yeah. Have you ever met any of the medics or the people that got to you and, and got you out? I met the, the one guy I knew in my unit that pulled me out of the vehicle. Um, he had a hard time. Another version of uh, survivor's guilt yeah. is I was there to replace him. He was the head mechanic staff sergeant, but he was running a lot of convoys because they were shorthanded. We lost uh, 22 guys that year. Wow. So they needed a truck driver, a staff sergeant to come in to take his place. So I was only there in country three and a half weeks, maybe two weeks actually with the unit. So that's his seat that I was sitting in. Oh, wow. So he had a hard time, but he's the one actually pulled me out. I was choking on a couple of my teeth. You know, he pulled those out of my mouth and extinguished me. Um, so he wouldn't talk to me. Oh. And when, once I got home, because he felt guilty, yeah. he had survival guilt, you know, from that. But I was just wanted to thank him. Like, I, I found his grandmother. Oh. I started looking online. I found his grandmother. And I said, look, I just want to tell him thank you. And so luckily I said that. Otherwise, he would not have called me back. 
<laughs> oh, wow. So you did ultimately get to talk to him? Yeah, I got to talk to him. I went to um, Missouri and actually was going there to see a baseball game and then speak to uh, the Jewish synagogue there. And I knew I was going to meet him the next day. I mean, I already know him, but I was going to see him again right. for the first time the next day. Uh, but they surprised me. I threw out the first pitch for the minor league game, and then he walked out of the other dugout. Holy so, God. yeah. <laughs> like, you know, I'm thinking about now. Yeah. Um, so it just threw me off. Uh, it was a wonderful surprise, and we got to hang out all weekend and, and talk. So it was really wonderful. Wow. <laughs> I mean, I have, Ooh, are there onions in here? <laughs> <laughs> there are. There are. I sent them to you um, and had someone open them and leave them in there. Um, it was my, I got up today and I'm like, I'm going to make Bobby Henling cry today. Um, so <laughs> check. Uh, okay. Uh, so we'll move on. Um, I've seen you, uh, say, or quote from yourself where you talk about how after your injury, you actually became more confident in some ways than you were before. And I love seeing that because sometimes people look at me, well, a lot of times people look at me like I'm crazy, right? Sometimes, um, <laughs> but it's not always justified because I've said there's something about going through immense trauma and I certainly didn't go through anything like what you went through, but you know, entirely different, but still very traumatic to me. Um, and right. coming through it and coming out the other side is all, almost liberating, right? Because there's almost nothing that I can do today. And I'm like, well, what's the worst that can happen? Like if I make an ass of myself, I'm like, <laughs> Yeah, you know, <laughs> it just puts life. In I don't. Perspective yes, for you, like right? I've had much worse days. I've got through much worse, and you realize, like, is that is that along the line of what you're, what you're exactly. saying or what you're feeling? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, once I got again, once I got used to the way I looked and everything like that, um, I was fine with it. And then it's like, wow, but I'm alive. But you know, because I get to hold my grandchildren. You know, I got kids that went through college already, and got some still in college and they're just already learning and growing. And I get to be here because of that. You know, I'm still here. My life was saved. I got to be happy, be confident about life. Isn't That's that cool? If you could look back at Bobby Henline right after you got injured or in those first few years, do you hear even the difference in what you're just saying now, how you used to pray to die? Like you were mad that you're yeah. alive. And now if you could have gone <laughs> back, like, would you ever have believed that you would get to the day where you would celebrate being alive? Like where? No, no. I mean, people huge... say it all the time. Yeah. They're like, they're like, I couldn't do what you do. If this happened to me, I couldn't. I said, yes. you don't know until you've been tested. You really yes. don't know. Because if you would have told me, hey, guess what? You're going to get blown up. Your head's going to be burnt to the skull. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to lose your left hand. You're going to have all these issues. You can't walk. you got to stay out in the sun. And all this stuff's going to happen to you. You, but you know what? You're going to survive it all. And you're going to make jokes about it. You're going to travel the world telling jokes about how this happened to you. <laughs> right. <laughs> sure, I'm going to do that. Whatever. Yeah. Isn't that cool how uh, yeah, that works no out, way. though? Do you it's find amazing. out, because you're so good and you're so convincing and you're just so genuinely happy, uh, even now, like coming through, you can just feel like a positive energy about you. Do you find that um, it ever, like, are you ever having to almost remind people like, dude, back off, I got this going. Like, do people just expect you to be happy all the time? Like, it's no, <laughs> like, it's no big deal. Like, ah, he's got yeah. it. Like, just, or, or start yeah, to even, they expect me yeah. to do a, a whole lot more. And, you know, yeah. I do as much as I can, but I do have my days where I'm like, I need to be left alone. Yeah. I'm having a little PTSD anxiety moment here, you know, and I've learned to deal with it and I can. Uh, but there are times where I just don't want to. I can't. I just frustrate it, and and I want to be that. I don't want to be funny. Right. <laughs> well, you know, you feel like you got to be. I got to turn on, talk to everybody. Yeah, it's and exhausting. Really 
sit here. Yeah. Yeah. It takes a lot of energy and I love that I'm able to do it, but there's times I just need to take care of me. And that took me many, many years. I mean, really till last year <laughs> to really say, all right, I need to take care of me and give myself some timeouts and just get to be me. That's another enormous hurdle to get through in, in all these, whatever you want to call them, stages of growth or whatever it is. Um, but it is another significant place to get to when you start to realize yeah, that. Because it helps me helping others. I mean, that's yeah. part of my healing and, uh, and distraction too. Sometimes <laughs> distracts me from my reality, which is kind of nice. We like to get distracted. You go to movies and stuff like that. You go to yeah. a comedy show, like it to be the show. That's my distraction. I get to put a smile on your face and I love doing that. But again, I got to remember, I need some healing all the time too. You need to keep the upkeep on my own body and mind. Yeah, absolutely. I completely get that. So you're still doing a lot today. In, in addition to traveling and speaking and entertaining people, what's the, what's it typically when you're going to do a comedy routine, what's the 10 minutes, five minutes, 20 minutes, an hour? Like what's the general? Yeah, it will vary. Um, you know, if I'm doing motivational speaking and stuff like that, I'll share my story and I'll do it an hour, hour and a half, depending on the event. Um, if it's a straight comedy club, I'll do it for 10 to 30 to 40 minutes, just depending on the set. On the set. Uh, have you had a, a moment where, where you just tanked on stage? Yeah, I bombed before. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Even, even on the Huckabee thing, uh, there's a part where I kind of lose it. People probably don't even realize it, but I know in my head what I want to do. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, so if I, I got more time than to do the what comedy they want me to set to do. They gave me more time than they originally said. So it's like, okay, I added a couple more jokes in there, but then I added too many jokes. So then as I'm watching the clock tick down on the camera in front of me, I'm like, okay, wait, I got to skip that joke, that joke, but I got to lose. So I'm telling a joke, but in my head, I'm having this whole conversation and then it comes yeah. out of my mouth like, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> oh no, I caught that when you're like, you actually said, but blah, blah, blah. Yeah, so. yeah. But it just rolled right in, like part right. of it. it and just, just... I, I think so many years, it's been 11 years, so you've kind of fumble and you go with yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, learn. that's going to happen, right? Keep like going. You're, you're going to have all sorts of crazy <laughs> shit that happens. Huh? Going <laughs> um, but in addition to that, you're also, um, you have your own speakers bureau, which looks pretty cool, by the way, except for the fact you have no gold star wise, Bobby. What the hell? But well, anyway. I, will, I will call Jamie and I will yell at her and say, <laughs> why don't we? <laughs> um, and speaking of Jamie, that's your fiance, yeah? Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> she has also a very powerful story herself. Yes, very powerful story and yeah. really trying to get her to talk. about. When we started the Speakers Bureau, that was the first she really started talking about it. Yeah. And I kept trying to push her more. She pushed us to share our stories. We're like, push your story. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's still hard for her. At, you know, it's, it's happened in 2003. Right. It's actually, it's actually coming up uh, November 20th. Oh, wow. It, it's, it's the date. So, yeah. Yeah, it's always so weird knowing what to do on that day. I got so many widow friends who call it like their angel verse. My husband's angel, and I'm like, well, I I call it the dead anniversary, like, and I do weird shit because I don't. I'm like, I, I could never embrace the and then you're always we do like, like Mexico, like the Walking you, of the Dead, right. the dead. What's that celebration I do? I don't even know, but yeah, it just it's always like you feel like you should be doing something on that day, but like, yeah. Well, what are you Some do a to celebration. Do yeah. Jamie's more of a distracting herself. Yes. You know, and yeah, yeah. she'll need some alone time, but she needs some distraction too. And trying to figure out, okay, when do I distract her? When do I just let her be? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's hard enough on a normal day. 
for any relationship. <laughs> yeah, for any woman. Yes. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it is. I actually, poor Dave, man, I looked at him the other night. He's like, hey, you want to hang out? And I, I was like, ah, I don't really find it. I just looked at him. I'm like, dude, I don't even know what's up. I just feel like a raging bitch right now. And I just need to like not be a bitch to you for no reason. He's like, okay, have a good night. <laughs> <You know? laughs> okay, then. Um, but yeah, that's hard. So you guys met and I love that. I don't know if you feel like certain things about fate leading you to where you're supposed to be or meeting a certain person, but like recognizing an opportunity, but you guys definitely seem to have met specifically on purpose right. by someone, like somebody <laughs> guided you guys yes. together. Um, yeah. That was crazy. She actually hired me to be a speaker for her company. Yeah. <laughs> she wanted me to be a speaker. And then I was like, well, you know, whatever you're, she was like, what's it take you to get you here? I'm like, well, whatever you guys, you know, your budget allows airfare hotel, you know, I said, it's not about the money. And she's like, that's not how you do business. I'm going to help you. This is how you do business. And she was already helping another speaker, um, Kevin Briggs, the garden of the golden gate. He yeah. talks, he's a California high patrol guy. And uh, so she was already helping him plus having a full-time job and said, I could help you. She goes, I don't know if you want me to help you, but I can help you if you want me to. And so then I found out her birthday was the same day as my live day, April 7th. And I said, we're supposed to work together. <laughs> this yeah. is supposed to happen. And so that's why we started working together. And she started helping me do the business side and managing. And then uh, of course, once, once she started helping me, she'd come to different places and we saw the other veterans doing the same thing. They didn't know how to ask for money. They didn't, they really want to make a difference. They want to keep right. serving. It helped them, but they need to get a paycheck too. They need to do the business side of it. And that overwhelms us. <laughs> I know me, I will turn down all kinds of money if I got to do paperwork. <laughs> yeah. Plus it's really hard, right? When you're the speaker, somebody comes to you and says, oh, Bobby, I'm so impressed by you. I'm so inspired by you. You come speak and you're like, okay, that'll be five grand or 10 grand or, 20, or like yeah. whatever it is, right? <laughs> it puts you in the awkward position and it's sort of, puts like a bump. Yeah. It's much easier to say, Hey, here's my manager's number or whatever, you know, give him a call. I'd love to come talk. Please work it out with her. You know, and that just puts like a step yes. of makes life so much just, easier, less stressful. <laughs> it really does. Plus it preserves the relationship you have with that person, right? That any you know, bickering over terms is, is separate from, from what you're able to deliver. I just think that just adds another layer of protection there for you. Um, just my thoughts. I don't know. <laughs> yes, it is. And so we realized other veterans need the same thing. So yeah. that's why we started the Speakers Bureau. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. All right. So you're working with veterans. You're also doing a nonprofit. <laughs> yes. Busy man. Which we started right before COVID. So that was real fun. <laughs> I hear you. I know. Surprise. <laughs> like all those plans you had, you have to wait a year. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I know. We all We all are putting those plans on the shelf for a little bit. But are you still moving ahead, making your plans and setting up to go? Yes, definitely doing our plans, make, doing stuff. We still was able to do a few things. You know, the remembrance tags we have, okay. uh, veterans that have, have died by suicide is one of our big missions. Of course, it's all about suicide prevention, helping veterans, Gold Star families, and uh, first responders. Yeah, and it's called Forging Forward, right? Right, because of uh, what I went through, I forged forward through the fire. <laughs> And, say uh, you did. Right? Yes. Got through it. Say you continue to do so. I do catch some heat again now and then. <laughs> <laughs> Usually my mouth causes that problem. <laughs> yes, that happens. That, that does also tend to happen. Uh, all right. So, but you're planning, say looking six months ahead, say COVID goes away. 
whatever yes. it is, and we're back up and running. What are your plans with forging forging forward? So what we want to do is we want to bring again. It's it's, it's veterans, it's uh, Gold Star families, and first responders together. Uh, whether they want to meet together or not, or separate groups, we will we'll decipher that. I know uh, there's some issues with you and I talking. <laughs> not What's we have it. not that we have it, but wouldn't that? I'm like, dude, you have a you have an issue with me, man? Huh? Sometimes <laughs> it's not the Gold Star families. It's it's oh. the uh, the veterans that like you know. Oh, I don't know what to say. <laughs> dude, we do creep right? people out, which is really hard. But you know what? I'm gonna. I've been to events, obviously, for Families of the Fallen, and one of these events, it was on the way back when we were leaving. Now, I had four little kids with me, you know, so little cute kids and matching shirts, like everybody used to look at them because they were adorable, right? And also very tragic. People would look at me, like, yeah. be uncomfortable. They couldn't look at me. They didn't know what to say. But at one point, our group ran into a group of wounded veterans that were coincidentally also on some sort of event and returning, right? So they're at the gates. At one gate is, you know... The families oh, of death. Wow. And then at the other gate is the families <laughs> of near death, right? And and everyone's like, what? But slowly it was the kids that came over. When I look up, there was one little kid on a lap with a guy who had a prosthetic arm or like a mechanical arm. He's spinning around. The kid's like, well, and slowly like our families came over and their families come. And before you know it, all these guys had little kids on their laps. We were all sharing stories and giving hugs and laughing and crying. Wow, and that's it was awesome. <laughs> genuinely one of the most beautiful moments where um they got to see that, you know, our families want them, just like you were saying. Yes. Like, we want you all to be happy and live and survive. And then that made our families feel good, feeling like we were sort of able to put that to rest for those guys. So um, that was cool. I would encourage you to to blend. Yes. Even if, even if, even if your wounded veterans are like, no, right. you know. Just a little um, bit, yeah. <laughs> bring them in. Surprise, just, guess we, yeah. have, we got a speaker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, bring it in. I mean. Trust me, some of the best things uh, have to have to go through a little bit of resistance first to get yes. there. But that's cool. Yeah. I wish we want to teach them outlets. So that's, yeah. I, know, I speak ADD, so good luck trying to keep track on this show. <laughs> you do that? No, it's going great. Yeah, give them outlets to... to yeah, um, give them outlets. And I've learned over the years that the poetry writing, the comedy writing, songwriting, that stuff really helped me. Even going to one of those paint with a twist or wine into design, whatever you call them. It just takes your mind off of things and you just, who cares what it looks like? It's going to look beautiful. Yeah. And so those, those type of outlets is help, is healing. It's to have that go-to where instead of relying on, okay, six more months, I can go to another event. What are you going to do in between those six months? Yeah. To kind of. So like, I want to get, introduce them yeah. to these different things, uh, even welding and the forging. Yeah. Trying, I mean, to me, I haven't done it yet, but I just know if I can go in the garage and pound out a sword or a knife, that's just going to feel good physically. And to take those demons and turn it into an art form, yeah. it's going to be exciting. So that's another one thing I've already teamed up with a couple of different forgers. So I'm excited to get things rolling. And how appropriate forging forward. Like that's, right? <laughs> that's pretty prophetic there. <laughs> <laughs> All There's right, a so theme happening here. There is a theme. There is a theme. You're just, your life is full of them. So, I mean, on top of COVID going away, we also have this whole political insanity going on in the in this <laughs> country. And you were recently sucked right into that. Just yes. mind, minding your own business. I going like about to your be day. that happy, jolly, weirdo. <laughs> I got my opinion, but I just want to make people laugh. I don't really get involved in political stuff. But yeah, like you said, I was... Hello, you're part of it now. So, like, did you just get up one day and see like yeah. social media blowing up and like All there sudden, you are? And I, I didn't even see it myself right away. I got text messages. I got DMs yeah. sent to me. Did you see this? Like, what? What's going on? What did I see? Oh no, this has got to get taken down. <laughs> yeah. 
So that you know, so, you saw you saw I jumped on there and said, "Take this down," and like threw a tension tantrum. <laughs> yeah, and so ultimately they did. But what is that like to be just un unwillingly kind of drawn right in and put in the public eye for a reason that you didn't choose? Uncomfortable because it's uncomfortable ground that I don't feel comfortable talking about that stuff. <laughs> um, you don't want to go. Hey, you don't want to talk about yeah. your political. I don't want to sit there and fight with somebody over something that it's, it's a, neither one of us really know the total facts, right? Right. Because we're only hearing half the stories on both sides. <laughs> right. So it's just an uncomfortable thing that I just want to get into. But now I am. Now I'm, I've been doing research, and I'm very happy. And and now because of what they did to me, I'm going to fight all the way to the end to this election. <laughs> what are you fighting for? I'm fighting for the train. All right, good. So, so let's talk then, because I know that you have at least a, you have to have a couple of friends that are on the opposite yes. train, right? Um, I, I think one friends, of them is family. Brad Garrett, right? I see him. I started following him online, and he's like crazy, yes. like not crazy, but like he's very blatantly out there, and he's like angry. Right. He's angry. He's an angry Democrat, I think. Yes. Um, so, how do you extract the politics from that friendship? This we is. But just don't talk just about don't it. Talk I mean, about it. Yeah. Even when I did his podcast, you hear in the beginning of his podcast, he makes fun of Trump. And he says, oh, my God, I hope Bobby's still there. Don't hang up, Bobby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And we just kind of let that go. We leave it alone. I see stuff he posts. I got, you know, it's not just him. I got other friends and other right. comedian friends even. And, of course, they make their jokes. And I don't even do political jokes. I don't like doing political jokes. It's, right. It's not it's funny. It's, it's not funny. Well, especially when people are going for con like we're going to a comedy show to escape that, right? Like we, right. we're going to forget about the things that stress us out and make us unhappy and and worry us and concern us. We just need to straight up laugh without feeling guilty. Or yeah. Matt, like you're going with your friend who's like the opposite beliefs are you, and then these jokes start coming, and all of a sudden the arms get crossed, and everyone has to leave. Like. Yeah, that's just now, there a are bit some of a... comedians that have done, uh, and I forget who it was. I was watching one a few months ago. You know, they did their their Trump jokes, and they were they were funny. Like they're creative. Be creative, be funny about it. But when you're just when you're making up stuff, it's, yeah, 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 that's ridiculous. Yeah, or you're just like nasty about it, right? Yeah. All right. Um, is there something that you love to talk about in interviews or in general that people just don't think to ask you? Like, what Myself? is it about Bobby? No, just <laughs> <laughs> something you have going on, a pastime or a hobby that you're super into or you enjoy doing and people just don't know about you? I like bowling, long walks on the beach. Oh, very nice. <laughs> very nice. No, I don't, I don't know if there's okay. anything exciting that people miss. I eat weird. I like I eat tuna and jelly. Um, no, come on. I do. I actually had a sandwich today with jalapeno bread, tuna, and jelly. It's so Dude, good. that's just disgusting. <laughs> Would you like all your taste buds get burned off? <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one. That's just, that down. I'm writing that note that's down. Just, that's just gross, Ever man. Ever since I was a kid, I always liked that. My mom what, said, hey, do you want a peanut butter and jelly Yeah, she's like, you want a peanut butter and jelly sandwich or you want a tuna sandwich? I said, I want tuna and jelly. She's like, no, you're not going to eat it. What do you want? I Told her that's what I wanted. So she made it for me. Goes fine. I'm here. But he never sits. Oh, and then at some way you just introduced the jalapeno bread. Yeah, that was at Subway when I did that. Did well, first it was you? first it was just adding jalapenos. Like I'll get the tuna sandwich with the jalapenos, take it home, put jelly on it. But then I found this jalapeno bread at the Amish store here. <laughs> so <laughs> oh, why not? 
That's, I guess, why not? So there, I, guess. I have weird taste in food. So there there, yes, you do have weird taste in food. I'm sorry. I'm still trying. I'm glad I didn't ask that in the beginning of the show because it would have just kept me like completely distracted. Okay. <laughs> Bobby Henline, what, what is next for you um, in terms of you got your nonprofit, you're, you're going to start forging swords and stuff, which that's cool. I'm going to get yes. back to you when you're doing that. I want to see you with your first sword. I mean, it's like, you're a gold star wife. You could come out and make one with us. There you go. <laughs> maybe it, maybe I have a secret sword talent that I haven't tapped into. Yeah, you don't even know. See, that's the thing is we I don't know what don't we can know. do, right? Yes. Well, then you might like it, you might not, but it's too expensive to just to go get into something and find yeah. out you don't really don't like it. So that's no. why we want to do these introductions. Like, that's cool. This might help you. It might. It might indeed. All right. It well, might one, scare all your friends, but. Oh, <laughs> uh, I know. I do that on a regular basis, I think. Um all right, so Dave and I started American Snippets a few years ago, back when we first realized that divisiveness was hitting our country. For me, again, as a gold star wife who had given so much, it was I found that it was actually reversing some of the progress I'd made in my healing, where I just felt like people were completely ungrateful and shitting on our country. And I was like, what did we, you know, yeah. what did we go through all this for if everybody hates it, you know? So, but then I started to take stock and realize all the amazing people in my life, the amazing people that are still doing incredible things in this country. I knew that if we could get those stories out the way that those stories came and helped me, maybe that would be our way of reversing some of the negativity, you know, in this country. But part of that was standing up for the American dream, because part of what we heard was that the American dream is a, is a fallacy. It's dead. It's over. It's only for certain people. But we know that's not true. We also know the reality is that the, the American dream is not a cookie cutter version. It looks different for everybody. We all have our own version of it, and that's where the beauty lies. So, so we'd true. like to ask you, what's your version of the American dream? My version is getting that beach house yes. and just doing my nonprofit and helping others. Like, I don't want to keep touring around forever. I maybe got a couple more years left in me. I'm not real old. I just turned 49. But I have three grandchildren that I want to spend time with. I still want to continue to help others and serve through my nonprofit and enjoy my family at a beach house. That's my American dream. See, and that's beautiful. And I think you've more than earned it. And, and so Thank of your you. grandkids uh, deserve that time with you. Bobby Henline, I could keep you all day because this has been <laughs> super fun for me. But uh, I know time is a ticking and you're a busy man. So I'm going to let you go with my greatest, greatest thanks for taking the time to sit down with us today. But before we do, if people want to get in touch with you, they want to follow you, they want to find one of your speakers to come on out, they want to get involved with your nonprofit, where can they find all things Bobby Henline? Of course, Bobby Henline on social media. I have a, a rare name, so Bobby Henline on any social media platform. I'll be on there, uh, bravo748.com, if you're looking for a speaker. We had just got, my, we got myself and lots of other veterans talking about military sexual trauma, leadership, PTSD. Uh, of course, comedians, musicians, all kinds of talent. So check us out at problem748.com. There's also the wellduncomedian.com <laughs> where you can find out more about me. Uh, <laughs> and then forgingforward.org for the nonprofit. Okay, excellent. We will put all those links in the article that we do it, uh, as well. In the meantime, please do not hesitate to reach out to us. If there's something we can do, if you got news coming up, we'll be happy to spread it out to our community as well. Awesome. Excited. Thank you so much. All right, everyone, there you have it. That wraps up another episode of American Snippets. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I'd like to personally thank Bobby Henline for being here as well. If you got any value out of today's episode, please 
leave us a five-star review on iTunes. iTunes reviews are really helpful in helping us get these stories out there in front of more people. So we would really appreciate it if you'd enjoyed this episode or any episode that we've done in the past. Again, please leave us a review on iTunes. Share this podcast with a friend. Uh, let them know what we're doing here. Share one of your favorite episodes on Facebook or Instagram, and we would really appreciate it. If you want to learn more about Bobby Henline and his story, don't forget each and every week we do a full write-up on every one of our guests over at americansnippets.com. It's the featured article of the week. You can re-listen to the podcast, watch the video interview, read the article, and we also include some links there that you can use to follow Bobby Henline on social, which we highly recommend. Don't forget, we have our Great American Syndicate. This is our association of patriotic, freedom-loving Americans who want to keep America awesome. So if that's you, head on over to greatamericansyndicate.com, claim a free t-shirt, and be a, be a member of the community. Join. We would love to see you there. We need more leaders and patriots like you. Again, we appreciate you being here today. Now go out there and show the world how exceptional you truly are.